Welcome to Science Radio, a space where we chat about culture, belief, wellness and current events all through the lens of faith. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Science Radio. My name is Jesse, I'll be your host today and I'm joined by my wonderful co-host who is in the studio with me today. It's... (laughs) Who introduces herself with a catchphrase like she's a WWE wrestler. <laughs> Sanita! Uh, hello, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> everyone says hello. Um, but we are also joined by our guest, Blast from the Past. Woohoo! Uh, hashtag best Fairfax um, <laughs> jokes. She's not a Fairfax anymore. No, not anymore. Hacko. She's yeah. a hacko. Um, her last name. Oh, thank you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Mary Ellen. Hello, Mary Ellen. Hello, Jesse. Hello, Zanita. Thanks for having me. I'm stoked to be I love this dynamic between the two of you. It's like very upbeat, very energetic. It's oh, great. Oh, good. Zanita brings that Gold Coast energy, you know. Yes. It's all, it's sunshine. all about sunshine, mm. joy. Fresh breeze. Mm. Yeah, all yeah. us hustlers in Sydney need more of that. So please That's stay right. as long as you like. Like saying, move the office up north. <laughs> <laughs> we could all be surfing in the yeah. morning, you know. It's oh, like wow. Patagonia. We can take breaks to go mm. ride the waves. Mm. Ride the waves. Yeah. Okay. All right. We're not talking about that today. <laughs> See, this. I, I just want to warn you guys ahead of time, dear listeners, that this could easily go off track because of this dynamic. But uh, hopefully, you'll stick with us through the through the ride. Either way, it's going to be good. Mary Ellen, you have been away from us for a little while now. Prodigal daughter has returned. Yes, that's right. And we're proud to announce that she's now joining the Signs of the Times. No, I'm joking. <laughs> she's back. She's back. No. <laughs> that, the, the, the wish fulfillment, unfortunately, won't extend that far today. <laughs> However, um, you wrote a fantastic article for us recently in this very issue, the October issue of the Signs of the Times magazine, which we were stoked about, about your trip all the way over to Southeast Asia. Um, and some of the musings, some of the uh, thought-provoking thoughts that... Uh... <laughs> I do like my thoughts to be thought-provoking. Mm. So. <laughs> yes, yes. So um, a really interesting conversation. I'm, I can't wait. Um, but I think it might be a good opportunity right at the top to talk about what has been going on in the world of Mary Ellen since last we spoke or since last you graced these airwaves. Yeah, yeah. Well, I was was saying to you before, the last time I graced these airwaves, I'm pretty sure it was, I think it was Daniel Kubrick who was the host. So this is going back almost two years now, I think. Um, So since leaving this beautiful community here at Adventist Media, cry tears, um, I have essentially started my own business. So like long story short, I now freelance and I do a lot of work with the church still. So I've, you know, written this article for you guys, for example, but I also work a lot with the South Pacific Division and even like uh, the GC and stuff, writing for them, doing design for them, even some research, which has been really, really interesting. Um, but yeah, anything from writing to illustration is kind of my my niche. If you want, I don't even know if I could call it a niche, but yeah, anything creative <laughs> is my niche. <laughs> um, and we will put in the show notes, but you have some really great social media presence as well, particularly. Oh, is, is Instagram your main thing? Definitely. Instagram yeah. is my, I guess you call it Achilles heel. I'm on it all the time. So, mm. um, yeah, definitely. Check what, me out there. What's, what's, what's the Instagram stuff about? Can you kind of explain your thought process behind what you do on Instagram? Yeah. Well, I mean, 
oh, I feel like a bit of an imposter even saying this because, you know, it's just kind of a hobby, I suppose. But I talk a lot about creativity and I talk a lot about rest and sort of the intersection between the two, how creatives can find inspiration and motivation and like, I guess, a sustainable practice, but also how that all relates to faith and how God has designed us. God is the creator and he's created us to rest and sort of all the conversations that happen there. Because I think I know, I know for me personally and for a lot of people that I interact with on Instagram and in, in person, that's a huge problem in our society, um, finding that rest. So that's what I love to talk about. <laughs> so cool. While we're on that, can you talk a little bit about, uh, because I know when people think of creativity, they often think of like people looking at scenery and painting something and <laughs> yes. like just slowly arranging <laughs> things. Like it's a very, creativity kind of comes across as like a slow paced, relaxing kind of thing. But obviously that's not your experience uh, and you still have a lot of jobs and are probably still trying to cram them in. Like, yeah. Can you just like speak into that a little bit? Like is creativity for you and is your job like slow paced and. Oh yeah, <laughs> that's such a good, uh, I love these questions. I never get asked these questions. So it feels so good to like be able to speak into it. Um, uh, yeah, I would say on like the overarching, in the overarching scheme of things, my creative expression is not a relaxing thing because when you have to make money, <laughs> um, that comes with deadlines, that comes with hustling, that comes with you know, organization, all kinds of things. And it really is a catch-22 because I think creativity in its essence is sort of freedom. It's the ability to just be and think and write poetry or, you know, whatever <laughs> your particular niche is. Um, so it is definitely difficult. You can't have creativity on tap, you know. And so, um, yeah, I, <laughs> the whole like, creative business thing can be a bit of a misnomer, I think, because it's often more hustle than it is creative. Um, yeah, I don't know. All right. Well, why don't you talk to us about this trip? Because this yes. was a trip that was long expected, uh, something that you and your sisters were looking forward to for a while and uh, kind of a big deal, I guess. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, it's just a holiday, but <laughs> at the same time, it was a big deal for us. Yeah. Um, it was the first overseas trip that me and my two younger sisters had ever taken together. So yeah, very different from the everyday kind of routine that we were in. Um, we spent, I think it was eight or nine days in Singapore about three or four months ago. And it was just this chance to just kind of do nothing. Singapore is, I want to say Southeast Asia for beginners. It's very, mm. if you haven't been, you know, it's very Western, very easy to navigate. So it was just this chill time, you know, going to, going to the shops, going to the gardens, bike riding around, going swimming, all that kind of stuff. And so my anticipation would, was that it would be this really lovely time for quality connection, quality time together. And yet, as I reflect on in this article, I found myself on a street corner near the hawker markets, in, or one of the hawker markets in Singapore, near Chinatown. And I was like rushing ahead. I was so anxious to get to these markets. And then I stopped myself and my sister, I look behind me and my sister's like 50 meters behind, you know, trying to catch up to my crazy pace, <laughs> which I'm not even really conscious of until that moment. And I look at my watch and it's two o'clock. And I'm like, what am I rushing for? Why do I have this ingrained sense that like I'm running behind, we need to get there on time? You know, what? what's the point? Um, so it really stopped me in my tracks because for all of my talk about rest and for all of my talk about slow living, I was like, dang, I'm an imposter. This is not real. Like I'm still, I'm still this like super type A, highly strong person <laughs> inside, you know? <laughs> yeah, I'm sure we all know those people who, 
are constantly like walking ahead of other people. That's mm-hmm. me. Yeah. <laughs> and like yeah. who like arrive to, I don't know, an event and then they're like all of a sudden, all right, next place to go. Like, and who are just constantly like, doof, doof, doof. Mm-hmm. Um, do you know where that kind of comes from? Oh, well, for me, <laughs> and I do reflect on this a little bit in my article, it came from my dad, I want to say. It was a learned behavior. I'm not to, you know, say anything bad about him at all. It's just who he is. It's who I am. Um, as a kid, you know, he was the Pathfinder director. He was off in front. He was the one paving the way, you know, go, go, go. And even now, like, I am the child of, like, a second marriage. So my dad is 81. You'd think he's kind of, you know, this old dude who can't do very much. He's, like, still doing Pathfinders. He's still – my parents bought a farm. He's chopping down trees. So he's very active. And on one hand, I love that. And I love the fact that, like, it's his to-do list. It's his kind of hustling that keeps him going. It keeps him active. But on the other hand, I guess – in my uh, quote unquote, I don't want to call it wisdom, but in my, I guess, seeing more of the world, you know, I'm like, oh, that's not really what life's about though. Um, so yeah, that's, I guess that's where I learned it. But I think it's not only learned through our parents or people that we've sort of mirrored growing up, it's through teachers, it's through uh, movies, it's through social media, it's all of these different avenues where we see you know, the 22-year-old who's got a seven-figure business yeah. who's now like a judge on Shark Tank or whatever, and it's like, oh, I don't know, we just see it all the time yeah. and it's this message we keep getting. So, yeah. yeah. Did you um, grow up most all of your life in Sydney? I did, yeah. Born and bred, very close to Wurrunga my whole life. So, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm just wondering out loud. I mean, I lived in Palmerston, North New Zealand two years ago, mm-hmm. which is just about the opposite of the, of Sydney as you can probably get bar going out to a hut in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> But like Amazing. the pace of life is a country town, mm. you know, you drive 10 minutes from one side and you've basically out of the other side of the city, city, quote unquote, right? A hundred thousand <laughs> right. people versus what is it? Six million people that they say it's going to be like in 2025 or something okay. like that in Sydney. There is a certain sense that I've noticed since moving here that maybe is unconscious mm. in Sydney siders. You don't move here to have a relaxing time, it no. seems. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. Do you, is that something that you've noticed or is that sort of just an ingrained thing, do you think, for Sydney Siders? It's a really interesting question. I was reflecting on this a little while ago. Um, my husband and I had the privilege of getting to go to Switzerland, like his work, and um, <laughs> we were stopped by, we were like just sitting by the lakes there on a picnic rug, you know, on holidays, nothing to do, nowhere to be. And this guy comes up to us, sort of middle-aged, and he just struck up this beautiful conversation with us. And it was so strange to me because I almost didn't even know how to react. I was like, does this guy (laughs) want something? Like, is he trying to sell me something? Like, what's happening? No, he was just there to just have a conversation. And he shared some Mm. wisdom about, you know, his life and his journey. He, like, had lung cancer. And it was like this whole story. And I, I walked away from that being like, wow, we in Sydney at least, and I guess in any major metro sort of, business region of the world, we don't take time. We don't have time for stories. We always have somewhere else to be. And so things like creativity, things like stories are like this luxury. And even, you know, talking to someone, asking them how they're really going. For me, if I'm asking someone that, I almost feel like I'm a bother. Mm. It's like, oh, I shouldn't be interrupting you. You've probably got somewhere to be. I'm not going to give you a call. I'm not going to like spend time with you. I might text you so we can catch up in three weeks time because then I know I'm not bothering you. But you know, we just, we don't have those encounters as much. So I think it's definitely a product of like where you're born, that mentality, mm. definitely. Yeah, I definitely notice that when I come to Sydney as well. I sometimes notice it 
the Gold Coast is definitely more relaxed, but like <laughs> I'll even go on hikes because when you're on a hike, everyone will like at least say hello or they'll give you eye contact. Yeah. But especially in Sydney, it's like people are just like head down, they're counting oh, yeah. it to where they're going to go. Absolutely. And they don't even dodge you. They just... <laughs> oh man. I, so I, I, I take my dog on a walk down Fox Valley Road yeah. here. Um, I want to say every day, but that's not the truth. Um, I try to take him on a walk every day. There's this one guy that I always walk past. I've never said hello to him. I've come to the point where like I've tried to say hello, but then he like, you, you know how like you, you have eye contact and then you just look away mm-hmm. sort of thing. I don't know how many, it, it would have been dozens of times I've seen the same guy because he walks at the same time that I do, mm. never said hello, always kind of sort of gotten to the point of making eye contact. Mm-hmm. So, Guy, if you're out there, I'm sorry. I really, <laughs> I'm sure you're a great person, but it's just, it's hard, it you know. Hard. I get self-conscious. Oh, no, mm. do I want to talk? Does he want to talk? Do, oh, no, no, oh, I just won't. I just won't try. Yeah. It's almost like we've become afraid of connection, afraid of vulnerability. I know I do that yeah. personally. Those people that you sort of see in passing or you kind of know but you don't have time to interact with them, that's a very common experience for me and I often feel really awkward in those yeah. situations. So I definitely resonate. Mm. Yeah, It is interesting though, this idea of we're so busy that we don't have time. It's like I think you mentioned you mentioned John Mark Comer in yep. your piece uh-huh. um, and I think one thing he says is like rest is incompatible with the way of like Jesus or like yeah. if we are, are all spiritual and so yeah. like hurry for us, it's like if we don't have time for people, we're missing the point. Oh, <laughs> like, absolutely. What we're right. supposed to be doing here. And yeah, yeah I just think yeah. it's really interesting. Yeah. Mm. I think it gets in the way of a lot of people in there, whatever their spiritual beliefs are. Mm. Yeah. Sort of this, uh, at least I've had this experience a lot in my journey of faith, you know, uh, your church attendance, your relationship with God just becomes about doing stuff. <laughs> yeah, It's very yep. seldom, even like in church scenarios, you know, you're having Bible studies of people, you're just like communing with people and it's, there's still always somewhere to be and something else to do. And like, oh, oh yeah. I've got to go do the offering announcement now or whatever. And it's just, it's this exhausting thing. I, I'm not even like pastoring a church right now in Sydney. And right. I feel overwhelmed sometimes as a church member, just mm-hmm. like yeah. there's like, I go to my local church and there's a prayer breakfast on, followed by a youth morning tea, followed by Sabbath school, followed by worship, mm-hmm. followed by an afternoon program, followed by a social, followed by a working bee mm-hmm. on Sunday morning. It's just like, when do you people stop? <laughs> I know, right? All really? of a sudden it's not restful. <laughs> what, what, what is this Sabbath thing? It's ridiculous. Oh, yeah. No. yeah. I mean, like yeah. we're not we're not primarily, you know, talking to a church audience right now, but like, mm. it's hard to escape it. Oh, it is. It really is. Yeah. So, And a lot of these big names and kind of the rest spirituality community, like John Mark Comer, like mm. AJ Swoboda, Rick, Rich Villadis, a few of these guys, they often talk about keeping, cause they, you know, most of them are pastors of these mega churches, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. like six services on a Sunday or whatever. And a lot of them talk about rather than keeping Sabbath on Sunday, their Sunday, I guess, which it's different for us, but that's fine. They'll keep it like on a Tuesday or they will keep it yeah, on right. Sabbath and then they do all their church stuff on Sunday. And I, I do sometimes wonder, I guess this is a message more specifically for Seventh-day Adventists. It's like, do we have it right in that sense? You know, <laughs> Sabbath is meant to be a day of rest. And yet for me, it's usually the busiest one of the week. So, you know, yeah. it's funny. I've had this conversation with a lot of people and pastors, <laughs> but it almost seems like, oh, maybe this is a topic for a different podcast, but... <laughs> <laughs> oh, let's no, go into yeah. it. It's a rabbit hole. <laughs> anyway. Like we said, we might divert. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we, I, I've noticed this thing where we get 
30, 40% of the way there, but then we can't commit fully to the idea. So like what I mean by that is we acknowledge that Sabbath is a busy day, is a busy day that in many ways is incompatible with the spirit of what Sabbath is meant to be, mm. especially in the new creation, New Testament church of Jesus. And then we get to that point, but then when it comes to, well, how could we reimagine Sabbath to mm. not be that and to be what the New Testament church and what Jesus intended it to be, there almost seems like we lock up and we go, ah, yeah. uh, I... <sighs> There's the systemic things there that we just can't deal with. Yep. Uh, that that um, yeah. Mm. There, there's an impasse, perhaps. Yeah, definitely. I think um, <laughs> I've heard people reflect on sort of a similar situation where they start keeping Sabbath for the first time. Most of these people aren't Adventists, but I think right. it's kind of the same situation for Adventists where. Once you start putting those boundaries in place and saying, actually, Aunt Susie, sorry, we can't come over because it's our Sabbath, people get offended. It's not it's not something that people really understand. And mm. I think <laughs> it's ironic, isn't it? But in Seventh-day Adventist communities, it has the potential for being very misunderstood yeah. um, and like, yeah, I guess offending people in the way that things have always been done. And so, yeah, yeah it really is that catch-22. Yeah, I also have... I think it's quite a trending thing, this slowing down Sabbath thing right now, even for people who aren't Adventist. Um, I know on the Gold Coast, a lot of people are doing it who aren't Adventist. And it's really interesting watching them. So I have one friend who she started practicing this day of rest on the weekend. And uh, she actually found it really difficult because she's yeah. like, I'm just really bored. Like, yeah. And so she doesn't have these, like, I guess, different things. Like she doesn't have a church to go to on the day. Uh, she doesn't have like certain do's or don'ts. She just is trying to rest. So she'll just like, watch a movie, mm. go have a coffee, does she, just go for walks. Does like, she self-identify as like a Christian or is it like this is like a secular thing that she's uh, doing? She is fairly new Christian. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So okay. she is definitely a Christian. Um, but I, there are other people on the Gold Coast who are just like, I guess, adopting this romanticized, <laughs> slow living kind of life, <laughs> yeah. um, which is awesome. But yeah, it's just been interesting watching her, I guess, struggle because she's bored. Mm. Uh, and I think like we obviously we want more time all of the time but if we have too much time like too much spare time like if we were to just go to Singapore for a year <laughs> and not work <laughs> yeah. and just walk around and like do touristy things we'd probably also get like agitated and bored and you totally. also see this with people like who are retiring they just stop working and they don't have any hobbies and they just like Mm. Yeah, mm. I don't know what the right word is. Well, <laughs> no, no, no. This, <laughs> this, like they, this is true. This is true. Yeah, this yeah is, it's statistically um, true. Yeah, uh, is it? It's teachers. I, be I believe mm. are kind of the worst at this because really? yeah, because I. So my wife was a primary school teacher. Um, she shared an article with me ages ago about how teachers, when they retire, statistically are much more likely to die earlier because their whole life has been structure, 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 wow. busy bringing work home, getting up early, going to school, doing all this stuff. And then as soon as they retire, it's all gone. Mm. And what have they got to live for anymore? Yeah. Mm. So there has to be a balance yeah, of everything. Yeah. yeah. I think it's often something that I've definitely wrestled with is that boredom aspect because I am just naturally wired to just want to do everything all the time, you know, go, mm. go, go. And the penny sort of dropped for me as I was investigating this slow living movement, the Sabbath and that sort of thing, that a lot of people, when they first read the term slow living, they think, 
oh, heck, okay, I've got to stop all the things I'm doing and structure my life in a way that still gets everything done but is really slow and chill now. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, it just doesn't make any sense. Like, yeah. how, yeah. like it doesn't, doesn't work. And I think the real message, at least for me, how I understand it of slow living is being able to separate your worth from your work. So that's really, I guess, the gospel message as well in a way because Jesus says, you know, you are loved as you are, like, you are all valuable. You don't have to prove anything. You know, nothing you do will make me love you any more or any less. And so I think just that knowledge that the things that we do don't determine how valuable we are gives us that permission to say no to the things that actually don't align with what we really want to do or want to be and just of those things that we're doing to impress other people. Mm. So that really does speak into that Sabbath conversation a yeah. lot and how we keep Saturday, but yeah. there's probably a whole can of worms. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, yeah, work and worth, I think, is really the mm. equation there. Yeah. No, I think on the flip side of that, um, uh, with what you're saying, I recently read an article just yesterday about uh, the CEO of a hedge fund manager in um, the CEO of a hedge fund, yeah, a hedge fund in New York, uh, who recently did an interview with Bloomberg, saying, and and they asked him, "Is it true?" There's a room. There was a rumor going around that he had spent in the time that he was at this particular hedge fund about two thousand hours in his office, not going home. So like. <gasps> He would sleep in his office. Wow. He would get up at 1 a.m., answer emails, do business, go back to he, – he, with a wife and family, by the way. Yeah, yeah. Um, wow. So he lives in New York. She lives in Washington, D.C. or something like that oh. and works there. And he said, yeah, no, it's uh, it's been hard, you know. Um, relationships have suffered, but, you know, it's been worth it. Oh, <laughs> what? And I'm just thinking, is this – is this what people are looking up to? Is this mm. is this the sort of behavior that we are trying to instill in our workforce that this is what you should attain to? Mm. I mean, we're seeing this more and more post-COVID of, oh, oh well, you know, working from home was all very well during the pandemic, mm-hmm. but uh, we all we got to get <laughs> yeah. back to the office. Crack that whip. You know, yeah. I'm seeing more and more articles of CEOs going, well, that, that working from home, that's a thing of the past. We've mm. got to get people back in the office full time, um, which is great <laughs> if you're a CEO that has a penthouse apartment in mm. the city. But if you're having to commute in from the suburbs, like there's this disconnect from reality, I think, where we're kind of, it almost seems like companies are trying to make up for lost time. There's this this expectation of never-ending perpetual growth that mm. uh, is not really sustainable, no, maybe? No, <laughs> Logically, it's it's unrealistic. And I mean, <laughs> to use a very specific biblical example, you know, in the Old Testament, like God was instructing, you know, the Israelites to let the land rest every seven years. And it's like, there's a reason for that. You know, you can't expect perpetual growth. But that's so interesting what you said. I think it really speaks into where a lot of us in 21st century Western culture get our identity from. Our identity is our work. It's what we do. It's the first thing we say, like, hi, my name is Mary Ellen. I'm a X, Y, Z. And I think it's an interesting exercise to sort of, maybe we can do it. I don't know if you want to do it, like to introduce yourself without using like what you do. Yeah, but how? You know, like how do you do that? Yeah. Well, then you just ask them a question straight away and you avoid introducing. Hi, I'm Sanita. What do you like to do for fun? What do you do for fun? (laughs) What's your favourite colour? I once went up to someone and was like, hi, I'm Sanita. Tell me your life story. And I quickly realised that that wasn't the best method. They just, they don't know anything about you. Yeah. Yeah. And no, you kind of freeze true. as well. It's like, oh my yeah, goodness, you're not expecting so hints. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, 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 yeah. 
man. But it's true. Like, you know, I, I, I've asked people that question before and, yeah, sometimes it is embarrassing. Oh, I'm, I'm between jobs. Oh, I don't, you know. I'm a, I'm a full-time mum or I'm, I'm this, that or the other thing, which is which is all perfectly valid. Mm. But I think it definitely gets the heart of that idea, which is that we equate our identity with our work, our worth with our work sort of thing, which is, yeah, it's 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 pretty upside down. It's not like, mm. it's not like describing myself as the associate editor of the Signs of the Times <laughs> magazine really gives many people an indication of who I am as a person. <laughs> well, yeah. It that's says it. nothing about me. No. Like you're a foodie, you love cooking, you've got a dog, sure. you know, like you've got all, all the, kinds of things. You all those identify. things are much more. Uh, uh, so uh, if anybody's listening from the uh, editorial team, uh, <laughs> I mean, realistically, at the end of the day, all those things are more important than just the job that I do. As important as the job is that I do, um, I could change jobs, I could get fired, I could get transferred, you know, mm-hmm. yeah. and if I base all that I am on my job, then if I, that, that falls through, mm. who am I? Yeah. Yeah. I guess it's also like we've, it's not like the, it's not like society has told us that we get our value or identity from our job. It's just kind of subconsciously we've thought that because no mm. one's directly said that. But I think if like we all believe in God, if you don't believe in a God, then you're going to go to something mm. to get your value and your identity from. And it's like, but even if you do believe in God, you know, you're still yeah, by default. True. And I think this conversation, it's been like very focused on, you know, your job is your identity. But I think even beyond that, there's probably, you know, stay-at-home mums who, whose identity becomes their children. That's, That's right. a really common thing. That's or, right. you know, for me, like my create creative talents, they really become my identity. It's like, oh, I can paint, you know, that's sort of who I am. And I think, yeah, it doesn't matter what area of life we find ourselves in, we will always resort to whatever the main thing is in that niche like that identity, um, which is really sad. I get, I don't know. <laughs> it's challenging. Capitalism. Capitalism. Yeah. 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 <laughs> One word to solve it all. <laughs> well, I think, I think as well, there is a systemic uh, commodification of gifts and talents because a, as you were, you know, talking about earlier, uh, your creativity is all well and good. Mm. But if it ain't bringing in, in, in any money, yeah. then oh, kind of what is it worth? Yeah. In a way, like yeah. that's a very scary and it, it almost sounds monstrous, monstrous for me to say that. Mm. But the reality is I wouldn't be making this magazine if it didn't make Adventist media money. Well, yeah. You know, yeah. if it was if it was costing us an endless and, you know, to a certain extent it kind of does. Um, <laughs> but, you know, if it, if, it, if it wasn't actually, if there wasn't some return, either yeah. ministry return or financial return or hopefully both, then we wouldn't do it. And all of these beautiful thoughts and wonderful ideas, <laughs> kind of useless. Yeah. And I think, you know, God understands that. And I've seen this new wave of people in sort of ministry, you know, monetizing their ministry online and I think like at first you're like, oh, that's a bit, mm, kind of sits a bit weird. But then you think about it and it's like, well, God says he's going to provide our needs, you know. And again, I think it's being able to remove the equation like my work equals money versus like my work and God also provides for me. If those two things can somehow in your mind become separate, I'm no expert at this. I'm not claiming I've done that right. But anyway, um, if you can do that, it just, you know, helps, <laughs> I mm. think. But that requires a lot of trust and um yeah, realigning your identity in God, I think. I wonder if there's a way that we I was can... also going to start with, I wonder if... 
For those of you listening, Zanita and I just shared a look when we both were about to say something at the same time, and she so graciously allowed me to go first. You're welcome. Uh, and then cut me off. <laughs> I was shocked. It was it's a wonderful thing. I wonder if there's a way that we can reimagine what work looks like because when I think of uh, the first story that humans told, you know, the Genesis story, um, it's not God making man and woman and saying, well, just go and sit by the beach and drink margaritas, you know. Yeah, yeah. There was some component Mm. of work, of effort, of creativity, of something in there, something perhaps from a Christian perspective that you could say is a God-instilled idea in us to do stuff, to build things, to create art, to mm. write songs and poetry. What does that what does that look like in a world that's a little less weighed down by the pressures and the stresses of modern 21st century life? <laughs> oh, <laughs> so a very man. small, small question, light <laughs> question for you, Mary Ellen. Solve the world. Yeah, solve the world. <laughs> Well, I definitely can't speak to all of that, but I think something I've noticed in my own own life and something I've always tried to live by is that verse, um, in everything you do, do it for the glory of God. And that's so beautiful. It's like, don't do it for the money. Don't do it for the acclaim. Do it for God. And there's been a few projects even this year. And okay, disclaimer, I am not a very good businesswoman. Like I, when it comes to invoicing, it's not my strong suit. Okay, So any business people, don't take advice from me. But there's been a few projects this year where I have like underquoted anticipating it to be, you know, a week project or a day, whatever. And it's been like two weeks or a month and it kind of just blows out of proportion. And there are times when, yeah, okay, you probably should be charging more. But there are also times when you just want to do that job right because it's a ministry or it's um, it's just something that you want to be proud of. And I think in a perfect world where money isn't our livelihoods, <laughs> I don't know, um, you would just you would just work on something until it was something you were just really proud of. You know, you just do something for the enjoyment of it and for the end product being something that you were like, this, you know, I'm proud of this. This is uplifting in some way. This is serving a purpose and this is glorifying God. Um, Yeah, so it's like, I guess, making, long story short, making stuff uh, void of the outcome. But again, we live in capitalism. So like, (laughs) but if there are just little ways that you can introduce that concept into your life a bit more, maybe on Sabbath, rather than doing nothing and being bored, you just create for the fun of it rather than creating for X, Y, Z, that kind of thing. Yeah. Mm, there's so many lanes I want to go down now. <laughs> mm. <laughs> I'm kind of thinking about the people who um, I think we all enjoy our jobs somewhat, mostly. Uh, She's saying that a question looking at me. I don't know why. Just <laughs> see your comments before. <laughs> I do like my job. I'm confident in saying that me and Mary Ellen like our jobs. <laughs> Anyway, what I'm meaning is that there's a lot of people who I guess are in jobs that aren't their ideal and that they don't really have an avenue out of. They don't really know what they want to do. And I think a lot of people's jobs can bring that like burnout, Mm. uh, but there's not really a clear way out. And so I'm kind of wondering if you have, I guess, adopted any hacks or habits or like just small things that have helped you maybe when you weren't in the position you're in now. When you were super busy and when you were super stretched, that helped you just to kind of find more peace? Yeah, that's really, really interesting. Yeah, yeah. I think one thing I could share, um, 
And this has a lot to do with kind of the, I want to say timelines, or like rhythms around your creative practice. Um, in times where I've, even in my job now or in like past work I've done, where I felt creatively like stifled or like I just don't have time for what I really want to be doing, which is, you know, painting or I don't know, just big creative projects. I will take like five minutes or 10 minutes in my day. And rather than trying to paint a Picasso or whatever, you know, some really grand masterpiece, you just do the smallest amount that you can fit into that time. So it's actually one of the reasons recently I've been writing a lot of poetry because in five minutes you can kind of condense all of those feelings inside that you're feeling into like a beautifully worded little phrase. And it's just so satisfying. And I've actually recently kind of compiled them and it's kind of turned into a project. But just like doing the smallest amount possible in regular intervals, I think, is something that's helped me. But I don't know if that really answers the question. I'm not sure. Like, yeah. Any advice, Jesse? Have you ever <laughs> found yourself in this position? Oh, yeah, for sure. One of the reasons why I started the first podcast that I started was because I wasn't feeling like I was super in my lane, mm. like work-wise. Like I was doing stuff because that was kind of the responsibility that I was given and I was trying to do my best, but it really wasn't that life-giving. So I thought, what can I do? Like I, I know that I want to do something um, ministry-related, um, so maybe this doesn't really speak to those people who don't have that sort of Christian background, but I think it's, I think it, you could just translate that to whatever you're doing, like whether it's in finance or, um, art or whatever. Um, and so I started doing little things on the side that kind of was in the same lane as the work that I was currently doing, but was way more like giving in terms of mm. like, I felt like I was giving and it was giving back to me. Mm. Um, and I think it's actually really cool because one of the reasons why I am where I am right now is because I started doing that sort of stuff. Yeah, yeah. You know? like totally. So that I'm now doing writing and podcasting and making silly little TikTok videos and all that sort of <laughs> they're stuff. They're not silly. They're great. I oh, love them. Oh, <laughs> thanks, Mary Ellen. <laughs> um, because I, of that, like, I, and I, I'm not going to say like start making a thing and mm. you'll end up getting a job out of it. You may sure. not, but um, I definitely think that it's a good way to stay sane. Yeah, yeah. And I think also in that conversation there's a lot to be said about understanding sort of seasons of your life. Yeah. And, you know, you can't do everything at once. There's that quote, it's like you can't, uh, you can't do everything at once but you can have everything eventually or something like that yeah, and right. it's like – not trying to do the podcasting and the writing and the pastoring and mm -hmm. this and that and the other all at the same time because you just burn out and ugh. But doing just one thing and recognizing that this will end and then maybe it'll lead to other things and one day I can be have a garden and like, you know, on a farm somewhere or whatever yeah. it is you want. Like, yeah. Oh, that yeah. sounds I often think because I feel like this slowing down busyness thing is quite a trendy topic right now. Yep. Uh, and a lot of the hope this isn't sexist, but a lot of the people talking about it are males. Oh, uh, interesting. And I just, yeah. I, I often think about the, like, mothers yeah. listening mm. to these podcasts and I'm like, because I just imagine myself as a mother, I'm like, 
I don't know if it's all that realistic. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Like, you don't like have, if you have young kids yeah, or whatever. Yeah, I know you don't have children, but you've got ducks now. <laughs> <laughs> they are quite... Who are much lower <laughs> maintenance than children, but anyone... <laughs> Not the same thing. <laughs> but I don't know. I just often, like, wonder, like, oh, I wonder what their perspective on this would be. Yeah, I often think that as well. Yeah, it's... um, uh, And again, it kind of comes back to not trying to live your life really slowly and, you know, bake the bread in the morning for the children when they wake up (laughs) and all this stuff. Like, it's lovely if you do that, great, but it's not realistic for most of us. Um, But again, like, separating your work, what you do from your worth and how it defines you. Like, if you get really angry at your kids one day and it's just like a crazy day, just realise, again, this is a season and you as a mother and your worth as as a woman and a human being is not determined by how well you can so or whatever like you know it's not determined by that so yeah. and I think like there's this awesome book I don't know if you've read it's called The Liturgy of the Ordinary oh it's on my list it's like I think yeah, two away I'm so like going good. through it's not about oh. motherhood but it could definitely translate to that but it's yeah. about how you can find uh it's basically how you can worship in all of your various daily things so mm. it's it's and I think when you have a different mindset it's like you can be doing a lot of things and still have this mindset of like rest yeah uh, and because yeah. I think that is there is a bit of a distinction it's like you can have a lot of things to do but not feel rushed and busy mm. but just be moving through it uh or you can have a lot of things to do and be like oh, I've got so much to do <laughs> this is crazy yeah. and then collapse yeah. like I, I think it yeah because I think busyness it's not bad to be to have things to do and I don't know some people thrive off it and some people just that's it yeah we're all different <laughs> like true. you said it's seasonal yeah it's so seasonal it's... and everyone people have different nervous systems different capacities for stress I know yeah. my stress capacity is not very high but my ability to like do a lot of things is pretty high whereas other people would be total opposite and so it's like yeah just don't compare your timeline and your capacity with someone else's mm. which is really hard in social media mm. world but um <laughs> yeah yeah mm. I want to, um, I think, bring this to a close around this idea that you finished the article with, with Martha. Hmm. Do you want to talk to us a little bit about sort of that little vignette um, in Jesus's life and sort of what, how it spoke to you? Yeah. Yeah. That's always been a story in scripture um, in Luke chapter 10. That's always sat with me because <laughs> I've always identified as Martha. I guess for context, if you don't know the story, Jesus comes to the home of Mary and Martha and Lazarus. Um, and Mary is sitting at the feet of Jesus, just in, like absorbing everything he's saying, I imagine with the disciples and such. And Martha is kind of running around, cooking the food, making everyone comfortable, blah, 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 in and out of the kitchen. And, um, <laughs> you know, Jesus says says to her, or she, sorry, Martha asked Mary, like, why don't you help me? Come on, we, we have all these guests over, you need to help me. And Jesus stops her and said, like, don't take away from Martha, uh, from Mary what is hers. She's chosen sort of the right thing. That's her butchering it a bit, but that's kind of the gist. And I've always sort of seen Jesus's response to Martha as something that is a bit of a rebuke. It's like, how dare you, you know, prioritize cooking food for everyone over spending time with me, which is like a story <laughs> of, I'm guessing, guessing most of our lives. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. Um, but actually in verse 41, I'm just reading it here, Jesus repeats, he says, Martha, Martha. And this isn't like, we kind of read that as like, oh, he's like repeating it because he's upset or something. <laughs> tisk tisk, exactly. Um, but it's actually a term of endearment, like repeating someone's name is a term, term of endearment. And it sort of shows Jesus' empathy and understanding that like, yes, 
we do have things we have to do, but just remembering what is most important when, rather than having everything important all at once all the time, like prioritizing. And so, I don't know, I, I think, yeah, it's just, I've sort of absorbed God's grace in that a little bit and realized that actually my tendency for busyness isn't a bad thing. I just have to remember to keep what's important, the important thing. Mm. I guess that kind of comes full circle. Uh, your piece was about your trip with your sisters yeah, and how you were like so busy. And so it was like, you kind of came to this point where you realized, oh, I'm here for like mm. quality time. Quality time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and, I'm just, yeah, yeah. and I'm rushing around. Rushing, for no yeah, and, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Mm. Yeah. So that's cool. Um, <laughs> G- look, look, I think that's, I think that's a beautiful thing. Um, Jesus sees each one of us and he sees us compassionately in whatever it is that we're struggling in this area, whether, you know, we're highly strung, <laughs> whether we could uh, probably afford to be a little bit more highly strung or somewhere, <laughs> where, yeah. somewhere wherever we, I love that idea that he sees us. He truly sees us. He truly sees Martha in this story. You know, he's not just talking to her in her behavior. He's talking to her in what is driving that? What is what is behind that idea? And he he does it with compassion, which I think is, yeah, it's it's a really beautiful thing. It's yeah. a beautiful moment of for, to see what Jesus is actually like. Mm. Yeah, I can't wait until that uh, episode is in the Chosen. If anyone isn't watching that, please watch the Chosen. <laughs> so excited! It's gonna be so good. <laughs> <laughs> awesome, uh, awesome. Um, well, uh. Marilyn, do you want to just quickly plug your Instagram and anything else that you'd like to plug? Uh, we'll put it in the show notes as well, but oh, just so that people know. So kind. Um, my Instagram is my name, Marilyn Hacko. Um, it's Marilyn Hacko on most platforms now, um, on YouTube as well if you're interested. But, yeah, I mean, I'm just a humble gal posting awesome. some carousel <laughs> occasionally. So <laughs> feel free or feel free not to. It's fine. Cool. All right. Yeah. Well, awesome. hey. Thank you, Zanita. Thank you, Mary Ellen. <laughs> Thank you, Jesse. <laughs> wow. It's really come full circle, Whoa. literally. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thank you, everybody. For, and thank you, everybody else, for yeah, listening. Thank you for joining yes. us. And awesome. we'll see you next time in a fantastic episode of Science Radio. Bye-bye. This episode was based on an article appearing in this month's Science of the Times magazine. A print subscription is $28 a year or just $14 for a digital subscription. To find out more, visit signsofthetimes.org.au. This is an Adventist media podcast.